If you have ever served on a church committee, you know the jokes. <laughs> a committee is a group that keeps minutes and loses hours. You know? To get something done, a committee should consist of no more than three people, two of whom are absent. A committee is a group of people who individually can do nothing, but who as a group can meet and decide that nothing can be done. And yet Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. In my Bible, next to Proverbs 15.22, I've written the word committees with a smiley face. It's a good reminder that plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Committees are a good thing. In Numbers chapter 13, we read the great account of the 12 men who are formed as a committee to spy out Canaan. They are the Canaan Exploration Committee. It's such a great count, in fact, that even a children's song is written about it, and you're going to get to that later this morning, that we might see it and rejoice in it. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Our Lord, when you speak, we want to listen. And we really want to hear you speak. And so we need your Holy Spirit to come right now uh, to invade, to conquer, to rule in us, uh, to rule everything about us, to take us over, that we would hear you speak, that as your word is read and proclaimed, we would hear you. To that end, as always, we pray for the preacher and know that he is not worthy but by your grace he is able. And so it is through Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Well, Numbers chapter 13 and 14 really do go together, but it's too much material to fit into one sermon without making your preacher's heart explode at all the stuff I would have to leave out. So we're going to do uh, uh, the really relevant points here of chapter 13 and then take another uh, week to look at the response uh, to what happens in chapter 13, to see that response in 14. Chapter 13 has a list of names that is mercifully short, naming one person from each of the 12 tribes, and two of the names that are really important to know. So I'm going to read through those, those names, but listen to God's word that's given to us in Numbers chapter 13. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. These are their names. From the tribe of Reuben, Shemua, son of Zakur. From the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, son of Hori. From the tribe of Judah, Caleb son of Jephunneh, from the tribe of Issachar, Egal, son of Joseph, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, son of Nun, from the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, son of Raphu, from the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, son of Sodi, from the tribe of Manasseh, a tribe of Joseph, Gadi, son of Susi, from the tribe of Dan, Amiel, son of Gamali, from the tribe of Asher, Sethur, son of Michael, from the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, son of Vophsi, and from the tribe of Gad, Gul, son of Maki. These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. Moses gave Hoshea, son of Nun, the name Joshua. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev 
and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin, as far as Rehob, toward Lebo Hamath. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron, where Ahiman, Sheshai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. Hebron had been built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. When they reached the valley of Eshkol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Before we dive into 13, I want to do a real quick review of how we got here. Uh, review these first 12 chapters uh, as the basis uh, of what's been going on. So uh, in the first four chapters, we have a place for everyone and everyone in their place. It was the census of the 12 tribes, the fighting men of Israel, and then the census of the 13th tribe of Levi, the priests of Israel. And everyone gets their job descriptions and their uh, dwelling place around the tabernacle. The Lord dwells in us and among us as we fulfill our callings as part of the body of Christ and our callings within the world. Then we have in verses, or chapters 5 and 6, the holiness of God reflected in the holiness of his people. God is holy, and so his people should be holy. God provides for our holiness. Jesus goes outside the camp for us to accomplish our declared holiness of justification such that we receive justification and desire to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, our sanctification and we grow in holiness. And then in chapter 7 through the first part of 10, God's people worship in the presence of the Lord. So in response to God's present presence, his unmerited blessings, the people worship the Lord by bringing offerings. The priests mediate between God and his people, and the glory cloud is this manifestation of God's presence. 
and the people go forward only when the Lord leads. And so beginning at the second part of chapter 10, the Lord begins to lead. The cloud moves and the march begins, and so does the complaining, right? After more than a year of preparation, they make the first march of the journey and immediately begin to complain. The first complaining is led by the rabble, those outsiders who had joined Israel who wanted different food. We talked about the rabble today, those who try to uh, lead the conversation, but do so from a state of unbelief. They want different food, but so do we. We want things to change, but we do it from a state of belief in God and what he has revealed as to how it is that things change. And so we see the big difference between complaining and petitioning and to engaging in the world. The second complaining, as we saw last week, is led by the leadership. Moses' own sister and brother Miriam and Aaron. The Lord calls out Miriam and Aaron for their envy and gossip grumbling. They repent and he provides for their reconciliation and restoration. The community doesn't move until Miriam is restored. Will Israel learn their lesson? Will we? That becomes the question. And so we go to chapter 13 with all that in mind. And our passage begins with the appointing of the committee members for the Canaan Exploration Committee. In verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. Now, a good committee is to be a representative committee. It ought to have people that uh, well represent uh, all the different uh, facets of what that group needs to accomplish. So, for example, in our discipleship committee here at the church, we have uh, the various ministry areas represented so that we have someone from children's ministry and from youth ministry, women's ministry, men's ministry, senior ministry, from the library. We want to have people who are connected to particular ministry areas to make sure we always have those in mind, as well as what we call members at large, those that are simply uh, able people to serve uh, and to help us to, uh, to do the work. Then we want those who can serve well those that have a certain knowledge and skill set. We have a building and grounds committee that is filled with people who know how to care for the building and grounds. I'm not on that committee. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have knowledge or skills in those areas, and I'm glad for all of you that do, that serve ably there. Now, this group of people, though, they are called leaders within Israel, but they're different than the people who are listed in the census of chapter 1. And they're different than the people who are listed in chapter 7. So different people have different leadership responsibilities within the community. These 12 are recognized as leaders, but selected for this particular duty. Now, of the 12 committee men, two are names that are important to remember. We've got Caleb from the tribe of Judah, and Hoshea, whom Moses gives the name Joshua, who is the son of a nun. I mean, that's, that's not right. He is the son of Nun, right? Nun is his father's name. Hosea, the name change is interesting because Hosea simply means generically salvation or generically uh, saves. Joshua more explicitly means the Lord saves. And Joshua is the Hebrew name, the Greek version of which is Jesus. Ultimately, 
Joshua certainly prefigures the person and work of Jesus, and we'll see glimpses of that throughout uh, the book of Numbers. Joshua ultimately becomes the leader of Israel following Moses' death, and so Moses and Joshua both point to Jesus, who is the eternal leader of God's people through whom we have salvation. Remember that this book of the Bible, uh, the book of Numbers, uh, its original purpose uh, was to call the second generation of Israel to arms as the holy army of God. So the events took place, but the forming of the book was written for that next generation to remember what happens in this march, that as they are about to go into the promised land, that they've got this uh, to remind them of the failures of the past, to form them to keep moving forward. For us in Christ, this book of the Bible calls us to arms as the holy army of God, where we put on the spiritual armor. We build the kingdom of Christ by applying the gospel to every aspect of life and existence. That's what it is for us. So from the committee members, we have uh, then uh, the, the reading about the committee work. In verse 17, they are sent to explore Canaan. That is the committee work of this Canaan Exploration Committee. Now, often when we think about committees, what we think of are meetings, right? Two reasons that committee meetings happen. One is to deliberate on a particular thing and make a re uh, recommendation about a pressing matter. But the second reason that a meeting can happen is because we need to craft a time, some, uh, time to have a discussion about something. There isn't anything pressing, but we, we need to be able to have conversation uh, to consider some things. But the real work of committees is more than just meetings, or at least good committees are more than just meetings. The meetings are a place for discussion, for deliberation, um, and for recommendations ultimately to be formed, but committee members are tasked with doing certain things outside of meetings. And if those things are done, the meetings are far more effective and productive. So we read about this group that goes out, and the committee work is not sitting together and having meetings all the time. It's to go out and do some things. Certainly they met and had conversation, but it was, let's go do some work and then talk about it. Do some work and talk about it. There's also a difference between uh, standing committees and ad hoc committees. A standing committee, and we have the three, the worship committee, uh, discipleship committee, and mission committee, are ongoing committees that meet regularly. An ad hoc committee is put together for a particular um, need. And then there's also the difference between committees and commissions. Committees are those that discuss and make a recommendation for a different uh, group of people uh, to decide on, maybe the deacons or the elders, or it could be for the congregation. And they make a recommendation for action by another body. The commission acts as a delegate of that deciding body. So we might have a session commission that is tasked to do something, uh, and it comes with the weight of the session. It just means the whole session doesn't have to be there. A couple people can be formed to carry out that duty. So what we have in this group is a committee. It's an ad hoc committee. The particular purpose is given in verses 18 through 20. They're, said, they're told, see what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. They're essentially asked to gather information about two things, the land and the people. The land itself and the people. Is the land good and are the people weak or strong? Now something 
we all struggle with, if we're honest, is change, right? Some struggle with this more than others, I suppose, especially having our mind changed about something. We have an idea, we have a thought, we have a belief, and we are sure it is right. Even when presented with other evidence, a change of mind comes slowly. The 12 men go to spy out Canaan, and undoubtedly they have preconceived ideas about what the land was going to be like and what the people were going to be like. And as they spied out that land, they would see things through that preconceived lens. The Lord calls us to see things with new eyes. The Lord opens the eyes of our heart to see things differently, to see things with eyes of faith in Christ. Committee meetings and committee work is an opportunity for that. It's a marvelous thing to see something other than what you expected when doing the committee work. My favorite meetings are the meetings where uh, perhaps I or someone else brings an idea and in the discussion it gets completely changed. Come in saying, here's, here's a thought. And people hear that and start to talk about it and begin to shape it. New wisdom comes in, pray about it, and the Lord reveals some things as we search his word together. And, and what started over here becomes something entirely different. And we all go, that's the right way to go. The worst meetings are where someone has an idea and insists that they're right and won't listen to anyone else. For 40 days, these men travel 500 miles together. You can imagine there is quite a few meetings and conversations along the way. And some people would dig themselves in that they're sure that they're right and everything they see just confirms that. But others had new eyes to see new possibilities. Some saw the problems and in unbelief want to give up. But some saw the Lord and in belief want to go up. And the work that they're doing is to spy out not just some land, but it is the promised land. The land that God has promised that he is giving to Israel. They are spying out the promised land. Here is your first look at the land that God has promised you. It would be like us having someone to go spy out the new heavens and the new earth. Here is the promised land that God has given. Send 12 men to go and spy out this new promised land of what it is that God has promised to give you and bring back a report. Second Peter chapter 3, earlier in the service, is a little bit of that spying out. And he says that, first of all, understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. And they'll say, where is this coming that he has promised? And unbelief deliberately forgets who God is and what God does. But belief looks forward to the new heavens and the new earth assured of in the promises to come. And so we talk about being people of hope. But hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is what we are certain of, but simply have not yet received. We hope in the new heavens and new earth. We hope in one day being in that promised land. We have not yet received it. But our hope is there. It is certain that it is to come. In our affirmation of faith about the last times, we read that God hath appointed a day wherein he will judge the world in righteousness by Jesus Christ, to whom all power and judgment is given by the Father. The day of the Lord is coming. And people may deliberately want to say, I don't think that's even true. Well, you can decide that you don't think it's true, but it is. The day of the Lord is coming. 
And it can either fill you with fear and trembling, or it can fill you with great rejoicing in the hope of what is coming to us because of Christ. And the difference is your frame of reference, whether or not you have new eyes, whether you see through the lens of the gospel to know that God has created us in all things in order to glorify him. And yet we fell from that condition of glorifying him. And in the fall, there was corruption. And instead of glorifying and enjoying God, there was natural rebellion and sin and misery. But God has not left us in that condition of sin and misery, but sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to live the life that we did not live. And in order to go outside the camp, and in order to, uh, by his uh, work of death and resurrection, to pave the way for us to go to the promised land. That even now, here in this life, we might live an abundant life as we respond and calling on Christ as Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit changing us from within, that we see with new eyes, that we begin to glorify and enjoy God in this life and look forward to the fullness of enjoying him in the new heavens and the new earth. Now, all that is the committee work, and it brings us to verse 26. And the Canaan Exploration Committee gives the committee report. They were asked to report on the land and on the people. And what they report is that the land is good, but the people are bad. First, they report in verse 27, we went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. And everyone who has seen VeggieTales says, sounds sticky, right? The land is fantastic. They have carried back a huge cluster of grapes along with pomegranates and figs. In fact, I can't say enough good things about how fertile and great the land itself is. The land itself is everything God has promised it would be. However, verse 28, the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. And then they start talking about these Anakites who descended from the Nephilim. And the Nephilim are a group that uh, is uh, back in Genesis 6 before the flood and these gigantic uh, uh, dummy sort of God figures. And so there's legend and myth that gets created about uh, the Nephilim and the Anakites who are uh, these just gigantic human beings. Uh, it is said that Goliath was uh, an Anakite descended from the Nephilim. Uh, and lots of commentary about uh, whether it's just a group of people, uh, whether there's a genetic thing that was there, or just a really big group of guys. Uh, as big as some of us are, if you go hang out with a whole bunch of NBA players, you, you feel like a grasshopper in the midst of NBA players because they're just ginorm ginormous human beings, right? So even if you're a big person, you're suddenly surrounded by these people, and it's overwhelming. So they saw some big guys and said, oh, they're all like that. No, they weren't. There were some of them. But when you see in unbelief, the problems stare you in the face and seem overwhelming. And it seems like everything is a problem. Now, verse 32 summarizes by saying, they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And there's one word that is translated bad report. So it's not a noun of report and then an adjective bad. It is one word, and the word can also mean rumor or whispering. And so they are, the sense is that they're spreading a bad report, not so much as an official report, but as a whispering bad report, sort of like out of the side of their mouth, kind of like a, I'm telling you, this is going to be trouble. 
I don't care what anybody else says. We're, we're in for a heap of hurt if we go do this thing. And they spread this sort of rumor, whispering bad reports. Fortunately, there is more than just one report from the committee. There is a second report, a minority report in committee kind of language. A minority report often happens when you have large committees for large uh, business. And if there's not a unanimous vote, a minority can present their view. Committees make recommendations to the larger body to take action. And so the committee can say the majority of us vote for this recommendation. And yet there was this minority of people and they also are going to present their view of why it is they vote in this direction and what their recommendation is for you. Minority report needs to come from more than one person so it can be properly moved and seconded and carried. So it's not just one person with their own ax to grind. So the minority report comes from the two people of Caleb and Joshua. Caleb is the spokesperson. He articulates it in verse 30. We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. We can do it because the Lord has given it to us to do. Ten men saw the problems and in unbelief want to give up. Two men saw the Lord and in belief want to go up. Next week in chapter 14, we will look at the rebellious response to these reports. But it's good for us to take a moment now to consider the importance of committee work and their reporting, because the whole community is ultimately affected. Now, certainly some committee reports are not that big of a deal, but since the, the church is fulfilling the call of ministering the gospel, we ought to take seriously how we do our work and be diligent and fair in our reporting. Whispering reports lead to rebellion and despair. Whispering reports point to the problem rather than pointing to the Lord. It is important to see problems, to articulate it, but then to see with the eyes of faith in Christ. If God has given us Butler, then we should not simply report, well, that's a great place, but there's drug problems, economic issues, some really difficult people in powerful positions. Let's just keep talking about all the problems and not consider a solution in Christ. And we hear lots of that, right? The answer is not believe in yourself and we can do anything, but to believe that God has the power to do what he has promised. And he is going to bring people from every nation, tribe, and tongue, even Butler, Pennsylvania, so evangelism doesn't say, it's up to me to bring that person to know Christ as Lord and Savior. But neither does it say, nothing can be done about that person. God's going to have to do something. Evangelism shares the gospel, but trusts Christ to conquer. Kingdom building doesn't say, it's up to me to transform the culture and fix broken systems everywhere. But neither does it say, nothing can be done about the problems in this world. Lord, come quickly and get us out of this mess. Kingdom building applies the gospel to every aspect of life and existence and trusts Christ to conquer. That is our call, to minister the gospel in word and deed, to take the gospel to people, to take the gospel into every aspect of life and existence, and to trust Christ to do the conquering that he might also be glorified. May that truth be what sets us free for now and throughout eternity. Amen.